Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. We've been in this series built around that one word, fresh. And today we're going to talk about fresh hope. Could anybody use some of that right now, right? We all could. You remember those days where you awoke to the beautiful morning after a a heavy dew that just laid upon the grass and how beautifully wonderful it smelled outside. One of my very favorite fragrances of all time is that moment before a rain comes where you smell that fresh, it's actually dirt in the air, but it smells so wonderful, right? We're talking about fresh today. We're talking about how that we can live in the new and the fresh. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 18 says this, the old order of priesthood has been set aside as weak and powerless for the law has never made anyone perfect, but in its place, a far better hope, which gives us confidence to experience intimacy with God. Now, a couple chapters later in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, it says this. Now, this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. Since we're receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God, the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. Our series has literally been built around this single idea of fresh. Jesus is introducing his kingdom to the world, to, to the world. And the main idea here is this, expect the new to you. We've got to expect the new to us new ways, new love, new resources, right? New power through the spirit of God, newness, a new way to live, not the old way, but a new way. But new is sometimes a problem. Let's be honest. New is often a problem because what Jesus explained is, is that you can't, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. Remember, this was often an area of transportation that they would use. They would would put wine in wineskins and take it from one destination to the next, but the old wineskin would become brittle. And so what you would have to do is put new wine into new wineskins. The point of the message is this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet the Bible says he's new every morning. So we need to be expecting the new. We need to be looking for and hopeful of the new to come. So what I'm here to announce to you right today is that there still remains, there still remains undiscovered resources, unseen beauty, unannounced goodness, all these things, new, fresh things that God has for us. And and if our mind is satisfied with the old ideas the old order, with old ways, with we listen, we disqualify ourselves from the things that we most desire. And what I know is there has nothing, there's been nothing in my life to this point that has satisfied the deep longings of my heart. I want you to think about that. Ask that, ask yourself that question. At this point in your life, 
Do you have satisfied the deep longings of your heart? For me, I'm still searching. I'm still looking. But I'm, if, if, if I'm hopeful, if I think about, if my hope and trust is in a God who promises the new, then I can have hope, right? Because my hope is in him. My hope, my trust is in him. I don't want to live with unmet desires so that I, so I trust in a God that gives me new, fresh hope every single day. See, secret desires embedded in each heart demanding something, right? New. And new requires fresh. New always requires something fresh. So let me, let me give you a little illustration about this, about the woman at the well. Most of us know this, this, this story in scripture. She's a young woman, but she's really kind of old because of her emptiness in her heart. She's, she's young, right, physically, but she's kind of living old because of the empty heart. She's holding on to things. She's holding on to her religion. She's holding on to her nationalism. Remember, she's a, she's a Samaritan, very proud of that, right? And she went through husbands like hotcakes. And Jesus comes, he comes along and he says to her, throw off that old stuff. In other words, the things she's trusting in, all those things that she knew, throw that aside. It's left you empty. Here you are trying to fill your life, right? (laughs) They're literally at a well. She's trying to draw a natural water, but Jesus, he sees through that and he knows she's trying to fill her life with something that she doesn't possess. And he says, I've come to give you something fresh, something new. That's why I've come. I've come to deliver that to you. I've come to give you something living, right? Something alive. And, and believe, I believe that in America today, we're seeing, we, we look all around us, we're seeing people crying out for something new, something fresh, something real, right? Try this fresh water for your soul. Jesus comes along and tells to her. So there's a new source. There's a new source for purpose. There's a new source for confidence. There's a new source for freedom. There's a new source for removal of shame. All of these things, everyone, everyone that I've ever found, that I've ever talked to is always looking for something fresh, always looking for fresh. But context is everything. The context for this, this is everything, right? If I told you that David in scripture killed a man, that would be one thing. But if I told you he killed an evil giant named Goliath, that would be the context that you would need in order to frame that story, right? If I told you I learned to juggle, uh, that's one thing. But if I told you I learned to juggle while riding a roller coaster blindfolded, that's something entirely different. And absolutely, I didn't do that. I can't juggle regular way. So, but this message that we're going to look at today, that we're, we're looking at this, this writing to the Hebrews, we're looking there, it requires some context. So let's, let's, let's find the context here because it was, it's not that long ago that they were passionate about Jesus. It's not long ago they were worshipers. They were over. That overcoming faith in their life, right? That intimacy in the love of God, with the love of God. They, they cared for one another. They're confident people. They were walking in confidence in Jesus. But something along the way stalled them out. Something slowed them down. 
something happened along their journey and they're distracted and they're disappointed, right? We've all been there. We've all been distracted. We've all been disappointed. Yet still they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They still believe it's old faith, but it's their faith, right? Still they, it had, be, it had but here's the deal. It had become stale and unsatisfying to them. See, even their faith, even our faith can become stale and unsatisfying. They needed something fresh. They needed something new. They needed that encouragement. And how many of us today could say the same thing? That we're here, that we're, we've, we're growing in our relationship with God, or maybe we're just here, we're in a relationship, but it's like a lot of relationships, right? It's kind of one-sided or the other. We kind of check in when we want, check out when we want. Listen, think about the context of your life. What's gotten old for you? What's gotten stale or dissatisfied for you? What did you put hope in that ended up letting you down? It ended up letting you down. To use the language of the text, what shakes you? What is shaking you right now? It's the context of your disappointment. Personalize that. Where are you at? Ask those questions. Listen, I've come to preach today a simple message, and that is this. Jesus has come to our lives to make some old things pass away and to what? To make all things new again. To, to bring in the fresh, to bring in the new one more time, to, to allow the freshness of the passion of the love of Jesus to again grip our hearts and turn our face toward him, right? I've come to preach that message. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says this, see, I do a new thing, right? All through scripture, you see it. Now it springs up. I'm making a way like sm- making streams in the wasteland or rivers in the desert, I'm pleased to present to you a day, today a God whose nature brings new ways into your life. I'm here to tell you, come on, we got to get behind. Your life can grow fresh again. You can, you can be new again. That freshness can, you don't have to settle for stagnant. We can expect the brand new. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 14 says this, so be made strong in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be healed. I like putting Isaiah's prophecy in the Old Testament, right? Along with the word of God says in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament that says that if you'll just keep walking forward, he's going to do what? He's going to heal all of your stumbling ways. He wants to keep you fresh. That's what the word of God is saying. So Hebrews says there's two anchors. There's a couple anchors for your faith, two anchors in this new hope that we're striving for, that we're, we're, we're ready to receive. Listen, what you put your hope in, listen, it matters a lot. What you put your hope in matters a lot. It's the source of the energy in your life, right? How you function, what you do, where you go. It's the source of that. What you hope in anchors your life. So the first anchor I want to talk about is this, the anchor of the cross, the anchor of the cross. Please understand that without the cross of Jesus, 
We have no hope. There is no hope. But now there's this elaborate unfolding of all the the old things that are now pushed aside when Jesus accomplishes his work on the cross. The old temple, now there's a new temple, right? Old sacrifices of, of the blood of bulls and goats, now there's a new sacrifice of the Lamb of Heaven. The old level of God's glory, now a brand new level of His glory revealed upon the earth. Here's the second anchor. The second anchor is this. Finally, there's an arrival of something new, an unshakable Kingdom is what Hebrews describes it as. Listen, this is not just a gospel of forgiveness of sins. This is a gospel. This is a gospel of the kingdom of God. This this is a revolutionary core idea. Okay, listen, a unified, if you will, vision of Jesus's life, as wonderful as it is, listen, listen close, don't, don't miss what I have to say here, listen close, as wonderful as it is, Jesus did not come only, only, he didn't only come as a lamb to sacrifice for our sins, it's not the only reason he came, are we thankful that he came to satisfy that law that, 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 that blood had to be spilled for the sacrifice for ours? Absolutely. But he also came to establish a new dominion on the earth, a new kingdom, new values. He's a new king unveiling a new kingdom on our behalf. And now when you, when you know the cross, you know the kingdom, you now have a source for new hope every single day. What we're talking about that I'm longing for. I, I hope you're longing for that as well. And an opportunity for the new. Let me give you an illustration. When a team hires a new coach or a company hires a new CEO or a, a city hires a new mayor, when they, when they appoint or vote in a new mayor, what happens? You, ha- you have to expect a few things, new things. You got to expect some new things. You got to expect new values, new powers, and new outcomes. New, new values, new powers, and new outcomes. A new coach might, might, have, might value conditioning, right? Might value conditioning. New power would be sprints, right? More running, more conditioning. New outcome might be a championship, right? All those things happen. But if players say, you know what? I want the championship. I just don't want to run. I want, I, want to, I want to ring. I just don't want to, to put out the effort, right? I don't like extra running. Then, then there's a problem. The old way is still in there. The old way is still permeating the team. And there's going to be a problem with the outcome, right? The coach would say, listen, we can't put new championships in old wineskins. That's just, that's just not going to work. It's, it's, not going to, it's not going to be the outcome. See, Jesus says, that's why I came. That's why I came. That's why I showed up. All the old powers, all the old outcomes, they, they've kept us limited. It's been inadequate. So everything I am, everything that I've done, my birth in Bethlehem, my teachings, my miracles, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, all those things, sending the Holy Spirit into the earth, right? For this single purpose, I've come to make the entire world new again. He's come to give us new life, right? 
That's why he said he, he has come. I'm taking charge. I'm going to run. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give new value. I'm going to, I'm going to give new power, new outcomes. And I want you to know there's a day. Listen, Jesus said there's a day where there will be no sick, no more sickness. There's a day that there's not going to be any more sadness. The lion and the lamb are going to lie down together, right? They're going to play together. There will be no more death. There will be no more racism. There will be no more war. There will be no more poverty. And the deepest longings of our hearts will be satisfied beyond anything we could ever imagine. Why? Because Jesus Christ is ushering in not just a forgiveness of sin, but a new kingdom he has brought to the world. A new kingdom he has brought. It comes because, listen, the new kingdom comes because God loves us. Because of his love. And listen, it accelerates as we receive it. It accelerates as we receive it. The most daring claim that Jesus made was, I'm going to bring a new kingdom on the basis of this thing called hope. This thing called hope. But you have to receive it. You've got to receive it. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know about an unshakable kingdom. Number one, three things. Number one, it's a dawning kingdom. It's a dawning kingdom. I'm going to borrow an illustration from the apostle Paul. When he wrote in Romans chapter 13, Paul uses the image of waking up, right? Early in the morning, waking up from sleep. And he says, the kingdom of God is like 5 a.m. Now he doesn't use that exactly, but he says, the kingdom of God is like, like the time, like the time of day just before the dawn, right? The night is past, but the morning has not yet come. There's a moment, there's a waiting, there's a pause. There's that time when it's not yet day, but it is no longer night. The night is over. The day is almost here. And Paul says, if you want to know what time it is, it's time to wake up. We've got to wake up. And today, I'm contending for the awakening of the church once again, for us to wake out of our sleep, for us to brush off the crust out of our eyes, and for us to wake up to a new day. It's time for a fresh day. It's time for a brand new day, a new outlook, right? A new kingdom is literally dawning. The night is fading. We can't see everything yet, but we can see the glimpses of what God is doing upon the earth, right? We can see it. Evil isn't completely gone, but the darkness is losing. It's losing out. Right? Sickness and death, not completely removed, but we can see miracles that are taking place. Displays of the glory of God. We haven't yet seen the, the entirety of the removal of the hatred of racism, but we see the love of God shed up abroad in the hearts of mankind. We see it. We're watching it literally before our eyes. We have an opportunity to embrace the new kingdom of God that has come to us all. And I'm just saying today that there's a new hope. There's a new hope in Jesus Christ. There's a new hope. There's a new hope in him. And, and it comes with a new king, with a new savior. And the acceleration of that kingdom involves our willingness to receive it, right? Number two, number two, the kingdom is also contrasted. The kingdom is contrasted. Hebrews chapter 12, the current kingdoms shake. 
How many of you could understand what I'm talking about right now? How the kingdoms of this world are a little bit shaken. And the coming kingdom we receive is unshakable. It's what the Bible says. When Jesus explained this on the Sermon on the Mount, he said the kingdom of God is like two trees side by side. They look the same. What one bears fruit and the other one is firewood, right? One bears fruit, the other one is withering away. They look the same, but one is utterly useless. Two lights, both send out the illumination of light, but one, one is hidden under a bowl. There's two houses in the same neighborhood, right? Same floor plan, same beautiful furniture. You can't tell them apart from the outside whatsoever. But when the storm comes, one of them is unshakable and the other one collapses in the wind. The other one collapses in the wind. And this is a shocking teaching for me because I used to think the contrast. I used to think the other way. I used to think it was good people compared to bad people. That's what I thought the kingdom of God was like. Good people versus the bad people, right? And he's, 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 he's got to be talking about moral people versus immoral people, right? That's what he's, but that's not it at all. It's totally not it. It's about people who live in an old kingdom and people who are willing to live in the new. That's what it's talking When you read about the contrast, there are people in the kingdom and there are people outside the kingdom. And here's the deal. You can barely tell the difference from the outside. You can barely tell the difference. If you read about this in the Sermon on the Mount, both groups go to church. Both groups go to church. Both groups pray. Both groups give in the offering. Right? Both groups study scripture. Right? Both groups fill their home with religious things. All of these things. Right? What distinguishes the groups has little to do with external behavior or the economic categories or social status of their, of their life or big sins compared to little. It's not it at all. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with that. In fact, to be honest, it scares me a little bit to think that in every church, there are both kinds of trees, both kinds of lights, and both kinds of houses. And in this room, there are shakable kingdoms and unshakable kingdoms. There are people inside the kingdom and people outside the kingdom. And here's the thing, we can't tell by merely looking. In fact, it's, it's not our job to tell. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven on the day of judgment. Many will say, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, rebels, for I have never been joined to you. Wait, but isn't this how we've measured spiritual success? Isn't this it? The people who prophesy, the people who cast out names, the people who lead worship, the people that pray, the people that... Ugh, right? Now, listen, it might not be your fault. It might not be your fault. You may have been taught king, the kingdom of God was about keeping the rules. But, but I want to say this to you. If you just stop cussing, that's not enough. Right? If you just stop doing the big thing, it's not enough. I used to, I used to think it was, it was the murderers and the rapists, not, 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 the, not the liars or the cheaters or the gossips. No. When, when, 
I used to think that you could get into the kingdom of God to get into the kingdom. You just had to stay away from drugs and, 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 and the people that did drugs, right? All, the, all those. No, that's not it at all. It, or get control over your sex life. Again, not in it. Jesus makes it clear the key to new hope, the key to new, the key to fresh, the, the, the key to new hope and the life that we are made to live is not external behaviors at all. But instead, it's, it's our union with him. It's our connection with him. Our life must merge into his and his into ours. And when I read the Bible, I realize the people who are most attracted to that level of connection are the tax collectors, the prostitutes, right? All through scripture, the desperate, the people that are so desperate. And often, listen, the moral people are repelled by this kind of display of the kingdom. I didn't read to you this passage of scripture, this part of scripture, but it's right here in Hebrews chapter 12. And there's this huge scene that's erupting. That's, that's this teaching about the unshakable kingdom. And it's a description of Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus 19, God sees his people in slavery and he can't stand to see them hurting like this. And so, so he hears their groanings and he hears their cries and he comes to bring them out of slavery. We all know the story well, right? He leads Pharaoh. I mean, he leads Moses to go to Pharaoh and let my people go, right? All that, right? And God just asks for one thing from their people. He says this, listen, I want to come. I'm going to make covenant with you. I just ask this one thing. Just trust me. Just trust me. And oh my goodness, they tried, right? They tried, they tried. The problem is that God had told them that he was going to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And as soon as they got across the Red Sea, they took a wrong turn. They went the wrong way. They didn't go to the promised land. They went into the wilderness. They didn't obey and listen to God and his direction. They went their own way, right? And this isn't the place where milk and honey's flowing, right? This is the place where the the buzzards are. This is the place where death will surely find us, right? And so they're all confused. And so they meet with God in Exodus 19, verse 4. And God says to Moses, he says, remind them of what happened on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, 4, and God says to Moses, remind them of what happened on Mount Sinai. Verse 4 says, you've seen what I did. I carried you out on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God is saying, listen, I did this. You didn't do this. You're just living in slavery. I heard your cry, right? He's saying, listen, my grace, my love went out to you. You were happy to just live in your slavery, keep making bricks every day. You weren't even, you weren't spending time in prayer and fasting. You weren't even trying to get out of your situation, but I saw you, my heart hurt for you. And so I came on your behalf. Verse five. Now, listen close. Now, if you obey me, this is what the Bible says. Now, if you obey me and keep my what? Keep my covenant it says here's the idea he doesn't say obey me to make my covenant god had already made the covenant he had already made the covenant with them he's like i did that back at the red sea he said i i did that i i baptized you as my own by my grace but keep the covenant by what by obeying by obeying but religious people get the order reversed please understand what i'm saying 
Sometimes religious people get the order reversed. We want to first obey. We want people to obey first and then they can be part of the kingdom. No, God says the order is he's saying he rescued us. Then we obey him to keep the covenant. When it's someone's birthday, right? What I want to give them is a gift they actually like. Not what I like. Not what I want to get, what, what I want them to receive. I want them to receive from me something they actually like. Why? Here's, here's my point. Because when you love someone, you prefer their will over your own. You prefer their will over your own. Listen, we cannot obey our way into his presence. Grace first, then we keep the covenant. In fact, the grace of God is what empowers us to be able to keep the covenant with him. Then step number three, Exodus chapter 19, verse five. Then if you obey me fully what I have spoken and keep my covenant, then I will bless you. There's blessing that comes on top of it. If you keep my covenant, three blessings. Number one, you will be my treasure. Right. You will be my treasure. God's very own. Number two, you will be a kingdom of priests. Now, listen, they were just slaves day be- days before this. Now they're royal priests in the house of God. Number three, they will be my holy nation, holy nation. What's he talking about? What's it mean? It means that he's not of this world. That's that's holy. Right. He's saying, if you keep my covenant, I will bring the otherness of who I am, of my ways into your life, the way you can live holy. That's the way we live holy lives. Here's my greatest concern. The greatest concern, the greatest concern of my life literally, literally is this. People come to church, do church stuff, follow rules, cast out demons, fight battles, do all the things and miss the, F, the essence of the new kingdom that God has truly brought us out. He's truly brought us, that he's our source, that he is our liberator. Listen, the Hebrews lost confidence because they lost the grace. They lost grace. Practically is this, they were obeying without worship and without gratitude for God who brought them to himself. God, God literally released them out of slavery in Egypt for 400 years to bring them to himself. God wanted to be with his people. So what else do I know about the new kingdom? What else I know? I know it's dawning. I know it's contrasting. And number three, I know the kingdom of God is relational. It is, it is relational. Chapter 12, verse 24, the book of Hebrews, we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood. Jesus said, pray this way, right? He said, pray this way. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, what? Come and thy will be done. Thy will be done. I know you know the story of the prodigal son, but I know you've heard it, but this is when one son says to his father, he says, dad, I I want your stuff, but I don't want you anymore. I want what you have to give to me, but I don't want you. And the dad said, okay, reluctantly, I'm sure his heart's broken. He says, I'll give you what you want. And then because of his own choices, I want you to understand this, because of his own choices, this, this son's life 
falls completely apart. And he decides at some point to go home again, to return back to the father. Here's the thing. He knows the, and the scripture says this. He, he says, I know my father's character. And I don't know that I've deserved to be called a son anymore, but I wonder if he'd let me come in and be a servant in his household once again. And so he decided to go home anyway. Listen, I, I want you to hear this. because I, I just really want you to hear my heart right here. If you want the blessing of God without the relationship of God, it's not going to end up good. You'll, de- you'll be very disappointed. If you want God's stuff without God, the stuff all becomes idolatry. It all becomes idolatry. He came home because he knew that he could. He knew that that was his father's heart. There was a way home for him. There was a home there for him, awaiting him. He knew the goodness of his father, right? And also his father's love was made new to him. It was made brand new to him, right? The Bible says that Every day the father looked down the road awaiting the arrival of his son again to return. He wanted his son to return. But then one day, one day was different than all the other days. I'm just here to tell you guys, listen to me. One day your life's going to be different than all the other days. One day you're going to make the decision to come home to the father that he's been longing for, waiting to receive you unto himself, and you're going to go home to him. One day, this boy, he goes home to his father, he, and the Bible says that the father runs to him. He runs to his son, and he doesn't say, he doesn't say, where have you been? What have you been doing? Why have you wasted so much time? He, no, no, no. There's a new dimension of the freshness of his love for his son once again. This is a depiction of how God feels about us all. He wants us home. He runs to us. He throws his arms open. He receives us unto himself. And then the Bible says in this situation, it says that the, that the father does something lavish, right? What does he do? He provides for his son, not just a place to serve as a servant within the kingdom. What does he do? He calls him a son. He puts a robe on his shoulders. He puts a ring on his, on his hand. And he throws a big party right? Barbecue happens. That's always good, right? It's always good, but the father's love is made new to him once again. Listen, there's new life in Jesus Christ. There's new life in him, but our new life in him is not about behavior modification. It's, it's, it's way more than that. It's about a father who's desiring a relationship with us. Will you keep my covenant? He says, Will you keep my covenant? Because I want to make you a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. I want to make you my special treasure. I want to bring you to myself. And I can tell you that every human heart desires this most above all other things. How how can I be at peace when everything around me is shaking? Pastor Derek, how, how can I right now? There's a lot of crazy going on in the world. How can I be at peace when everything around me is shaking? The only way is to know that there is a father that loves you. There's a savior who is the king, right? There's a presence that ignites your soul. And there is a hope that is eternal. There's a fresh hope for us all. And we can live in the freshness of a brand new day, right? The sun will rise again. We'll stand in the light of a brand new day. 
So who's ready? Who's ready for that kind of relationship with the Father? Who's ready for hope to come after maybe you've been a time away from home? Who's ready to receive that kind of love and expression again? Who's here ready and looking for new hope once again in your lives? Listen, all you've got to do is respond to the love of the Father. The Bible said that the Father ran to His Son. Seeing Him afar off, He ran to Him and embraced Him. Listen, God's kingdom, the new kingdom that He has come, that He has brought, His new kingdom is a place where God is not your judge. He's your Father. He's your Father. And when relationships awaken, right? When relationships are new, when they're fresh, there's an unstoppable, unstoppableness in that. There's an unshakableness that comes with that kind of relationship. Listen, it's about celebrating the grace. Listen close. This is, this, I'm going to wrap it up with this. It's about celebrating the grace so you can keep the covenant, so you can live in the treasures that God has for you. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what fresh is. That's what a new kingdom That's what a new fresh hope come to us. That's it. That's it right there. So wherever you are, would you pray with me? I want to pray for you that a new fresh hope would come your way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. The scripture is amazing. And God, you do things in our lives that that absolutely change who we are. It's because of who you are. You are an amazing father to us. So God, we trust you. We give you our entire lives. We ask that you be the king in our lives. That your kingdom truly has come. And God, we pray for your will to be done in us. Forgive us of sin. Put us on a path that leads to eternal life. Give us fresh and new every day. And may we trust in you in everything we do. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.